and welcome to the Capacity Creator Podcast. I'm Melanie Sadka. In each episode, you'll hear about the many successes, struggles, and advice on how to respect your capacity. You can subscribe at Melanie Sadka, like vodka with an S.com, or come see me on Instagram. Or you can visit my Facebook page called Capacity Creator. This is part two of my two-part series with Kelsey Ramsden. If you missed part one, you'll want to pop up and listen to it. In this episode, Kelsey does a live demonstration with me as her subject. She has an uncanny way of making people realize their default behaviors and how to shift their perspectives in order to grow new insights. Her book focuses on act two of our lives. So enjoy the second part of the series. Well, in a piece that really ties in well, um, to what I researched in part for the book was this idea about mastery and, and, and trying to find markers. Like what indicates that we're near the end of a run of something? Cause I think everyone who's wired up as an ambitious person will say I've had eras, mm. you know, or I had chapters in my life or I had whatever, you know, we're going to describe it as something. Um, but how can we, how can we start to identify where the markers are so that we can, we can recognize we're coming close to the end of an era as opposed to recognizing it as like falling into deflation. Wow. And one of the things that that's a key indicator is this idea of choices versus decisions. And, and I'm going to clarify what I mean by that. So, uh, when you reach the top of something, you, you get to the place near mastery or at mastery. Um, you make a lot of decisions. You're in charge of something. People come to you all day. You're deciding things. You're designing. Uh, choice is when you're considering a number of different options and you, and you ultimately make a decision. What happens the closer you get to mastery, the closer you get to the end of that era for the ambitious, is that we're no longer making choices. We're only making decisions. Because we have such a wealth of knowledge that our intuition tells us that's the thing. Right. There are no other. So you can come to me with eight different things. Immediately, I'm like, yeah, we're going to do that. When people will say, how do you think that way? How do you know that? How do you whatever? And when our minds are no longer being kind of fed by this notion of choice, because we seek choice. We get to a place of just making decisions. This is no longer interesting to us. We need the challenge of churning all of those wheels up in our minds around um, what is it that we think. We love the questioning, the exploration, the curiosity. When all that's sucked out and we're in the vacuum of decision-making only, again, it's so benign to us and obvious to us. It barely even gets us out of bed. So I would invite anyone who's listening that, you know, if that accurately describes where you're at, you're probably approaching the end of an era. So don't get upset. This is a natural part of that process. There will be a Phoenix from this, these ashes, (laughs) but you know, the embers are starting to burn down uh, because you're only in decision and not in choice anymore. I love that because the first thing that comes to mind is when you become bored could that also mm-hmm. be a symptom of just you're just making decisions quickly um, because you're so competent and you've become so efficient in this process that you maybe you are coming to an end. That is the era. And, and you become bored because there's no more challenge. There's no more excitement because you've achieved. 
Totally. I mean, a lot of my clients in my mastermind series is they come to me because they're like, I'm burnt out. And within 15 minutes, I'm like, no, you're not. You're bored out, yeah. actually. Yes, you're not bored out. Exactly. You have all the capacity. You have all the capacity. You know, you're you are absolutely BAF. Uh, so I'm not using a square word. Um, <laughs> you are, but it's called burnout because you feel terrible yes. and you're listless. And everything is, feels like a chore and it's another inconvenience because it's so obvious and it doesn't engage your mind. It's like, ugh, the heavy lifting of the monotony of the mundane. That's bored out. That is not burnt out. I love that you just gave everybody permission, including myself, to recognize that you're not burnt out, you're bored. It's coming to an era or at the end of an era or it's time to resign. It's time to say, great, this was fun. I've done my job. I've contributed what I can. We've done well. And now it's time to move on. Don't you think it's funny? So here's a, here's an analogy. Um, we treat our career like it's supposed to be this like ivory tower isolated <laughs> instance when the reality of, of a career is it's us in relationship to our work. Yeah. Yes. And so that, that's a career. But yet we treat that so differently than we treat relationships with humans. So I'm just going to make a reasonable uh, assumption that most people didn't marry their high school sweetheart. Most people had a few relationships along the way to discern what it is they do and don't like. Who are they with or without certain aspects and character traits, et cetera, et cetera. Then at some point we say, I think I know enough to know I'm going to do this for a while. And then let's say you get married. And those of us who are married will also know that it's not like that forever. And within the marriage, there's eras and changes and things. So why is it that our career is supposed to be our high school sweetheart and never change? It's ridiculous. I love, love everything about that. You're absolutely right. So why do we have different expectations about our career than we do our relationships? It's, it's crazy because our career is us in relationship with our great work. Yes. It's how we define and our ourselves. relationship, my relationship with that thing. Totally. It has to change over time because I change. Yes. And, and, and it stays the same or it changes. So how about it's okay if we both change, right? Like, yes. It's okay if we both evolve, you know, back to your missionary comment. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's where it applies, right? <laughs> if you're always in the same position, it does, you know, you got to change sure. it up, but people are afraid of change. People are afraid of, of seeing what's next or pivoting. Um, and that's just that for me. And I think for you, obviously that these are exciting moments. It's what's around the corner. What's, you know, wh where's my perspective going to change if I shift, you know, 10 degrees, but how about Melanie? Okay, but so how about this though? Here's where we totally screw it up. Yeah. Because we we go to bed as a as a giraffe and want to wake up like an albatross. <laughs> like, oh, that's not how it happens, folks. You don't change. Right. You adapt. Yeah. You want it to stick. You adapt. And so we are let, you know, we're wired to like talk about this big change and I'm gonna do whatever. Like that's just not how it works. Um, it's never worked that way. It, it doesn't stick. And, and so, but people can talk themselves out of doing things because it's this big, heavy lift. Um, 
And I am like a strong proponent for to hell with change. Don't try and like overnight become some other thing or, 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 you know, jump off the cliff. What about if you just adapt ever so slightly? It's like the test and retest model, you know, what at survival of the fittest for you takes a lot of small adaptations over time. Um, but most people don't know how to start with a small adaptation, like what counts, right? you know, because we all want to sign up for the full year gym membership on January the 1st. <laughs> and, and, but that's not how it goes. Like you got to go to the gym one day a week for three months. No, you're absolutely that's right. Just, yeah, it, we, we do. We expect big things immediately. And there's, there's patience involved in all of this. Um, and I like the small adaptations because once we become really good and competent in an area, this is where I think your notion of future-proofing is how do we leverage what we've just become competent in and make those adaptations to act number two? Because there's so mm-hmm. much that we can just put into that as well without, you're right, without reinventing ourselves, without going through that huge change process that isn't, isn't necessary. It's not at all. Okay. So I'm going to, can I do an exercise with you like live on air that we never talked about and you might potentially feel uncomfortable with? I would love that. Okay. <laughs> I love <laughs> you know that you're, you're like, talking yes. to. <laughs> um, okay. So here, and the reason that I want to talk about this is because it's like, goes right to the heart of adaptation and will help the listener clearly understand what they can do like today to do one small adaptation. And it's going to explain why it matters. Okay. Great. So stick with me. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you two questions and the listeners can play along. Okay. So I'm going to ask you two questions. You don't have to answer them out loud. You're going to ask, answer them to yourself, but I'm going to play mind reader and then I'm going to explain why this matters. Okay. So first of all, I want you to think about something, you know, something, you know, really well. Got it. Yes. Okay, cool. Now I want you to think about something you remember, something you remember, a memory. Got it? Okay. Okay. So here's what's 95 or so plus percent true. Um, The thing that you know, could it be taught? Yes. So you can teach it to another person. Absolutely. The thing that the thing that you remember, I'm going to guess it has three tags to it. Okay. Um, there's high emotion, love, lust, hate, fear, joy. Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Um, it was something that couldn't be, it couldn't happen the exact same way twice. So you couldn't repeat it in the exact same way if you tried. Correct. <laughs> Yep. And then the third thing is um, that you either did that with another human being or you then shared the story with another human being eye to eye, like not on Facebook or Instagram, but like human storytelling. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So I'm not a mind reader, but the reason that all those things were true and why they matter is this. Our minds are hardwired a certain way. It's just anatomy, physiology. And um, the, the thing that we know really well, if you are a believer in the advancement of modern technology, the things that we know will be taught. If you can teach it, you can program it ultimately. 
there are a few hiccups at the moment, but within 10 years time, that's going to be a truth. So rarely is it that breakthrough moments come from the things that we know. Mm. And soon breakthrough moments won't happen at all with the things that we know. It's, it's the things that make us unique, our experiences informed by the things that we know that create aha moments. Yeah. So anyone who ever solved a big problem or had an aha moment or created something interesting or had a big idea, it was the collision of those two things, the thing that they know and what's unique to them, the, the memory, the thing they experienced. And so the second piece, that part that we talked about, um, the thing you remember, right? that's actually where all the big special sauce unique form, highly successful uh, opportunity lies in all of us. And, and the more we approach mastery, the less often we have those moments. Very rarely are there high emotion moments anymore, unless it's frustration. Very rarely are we in situations that could never be repeated the exact same way twice because we've done it all before. And very rarely do we bother talking about it because it's not interesting to us anymore and we assume everyone knows it. So what we, what we functionally do as we approach mastery is we shut down the part of our brain that was there that actually created the success to begin with. The thing that made us uniquely interesting to get hired or promoted or so on and so forth. Does that make sense? Wow. You just blew my mind. And I'm sure you blew the listener's mind hundred <laughs> percent. That's why I love you. You're so, you're so fantastic. Yes. <laughs> so here's why it matters and how it's applicable. And I only figured this out because I was questioning for myself, how do I do my, how do I kickstart my act too? Because I'm so sick and tired of being stuck in this postmodern era of my own success where I'm just doing the same old stuff over and over again. And I'm bored. Well, sorry, but meanwhile, we're watching you like flourish constantly and and just put out beautiful, meaningful, productive things to the world all the time. So we have no idea that's happening behind the scenes. And that's pretty typical of a successful person. That's true for everyone. Yeah. Who's successful in this long plateau of feeling like crap. And, um, while everyone else is like, you're amazing. You're like, I'm dying. (laughs) Anyway. So, so. So why this matters for the people is that here's what you can do. If you're listening and you're like nodding along going, yes, yes, I'm totally there. Please save me from myself. Um, You find a way, a small way to put yourself in front of situations that have an emotional component that could not be repeated the same way twice. And then you share it with a human being. It's that simple. Uh, and in some cases that hard because people are like, well, well give me an example. Uh, I make it a practice of being uncomfortable every day. And so for me, that is so a recent one. I love coffee. I have a coffee. I like, there's a place that I go, whatever. It's very routine. So I was like, I'm going to go to the hipster part of town. I'm going to order a drink that I don't know how to pronounce from a person who's probably judging me. And I may or may not like it. And it's going to kind of bemuddle my day. So I go in there with this sense of feeling a bit like not the master, super judged, kind of a bit unsure, not huge high emotion, but it's discomfort. 
I order this drink. I totally screw up. The kid looks at me like, eh, whatever, <laughs> grandma or whatever, you know, middle-aged mother of three lady who's trying to be cool. And I, I drink it and it actually turns out it's delicious. Uh, I love this drink. Now it's actually my drink. And, um, and I walk out of there and I tell my girlfriend about this situation. Oh my God, I went and got this coffee and I was so embarrassed. I was like, everyone was wearing different clothes, blah, 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 blah. Totally benign, right? Not a big deal. Very low risk. But I can never feel that feeling again in the same way at the same time. And for me, about five days later, I had a client who was talking about the situation, da, 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 and, and it, something about that coffee shop experience, I was able to tie into something that was going on for her. But had I never introduced a new ingredient, how could I make a new cake? Right. Like it's possible. Um, and if you want to go ninja level, I just did this recently. I went to an art opening. So I don't know anything about art. I appreciate it. Um, but I went to this art opening at, by myself and I stood with some people who looked artsy and were dressed way cooler than me. And I said to the person, I don't know the first thing about art, but I'm going to tell you what I see in this piece. And I say what I see. And he basically, you know, starts out by being like very, eh, you know, snub nosy <laughs> and tells me what it really represents and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, but I can see where you're coming from. If you didn't know this and this and this about the artist. Yeah. And we had this totally interesting conversation. It was amazing. But it reminded me what it was like to be a student. Right. It made it okay to say I didn't know about something. It like brought up in me all these ideas about some of the things that I assume everyone knows. Right. But it's only based on all my experience. So the point being small took 20 minutes of my day. I went in, I did my thing, I exited. But it, it re-enlivens our minds. It calls to attention. You, you know, your mind uses up 30% of the energy in your body. Do you mm. think it's going to show up and spend extra energy on stuff that we do all the time? No, no, no. it's, you know, it's punching the clock. So you got to give it a reason to show up in its full capacity when we talk about capacity, mm -hmm. but how many people do that anymore? You're absolutely right. There's not a lot of people who do that. And I mean, we're also very, we use our capacity or we expend our capacity on distraction. Um, that's distraction, mm -hmm. you know, could be for many reasons, but one of them is so that we don't have to be uncomfortable and we are eroding that capacity and that brain power and our potential at the same time. So I'm with you 100%. I love that it takes energy and you have to almost carve in, you know, when you talked about this at the beginning of the, at the, beginning of the podcast, carving in time to be uncomfortable. To get, 100%. To get those neurons firing differently again. I mean, that's something that has to be part of, of what you do for yourself. I love that. And, and I think, you know, if we're honest, um, if you're a runner or you're whatever, if someone says, hey, do you want to go for a 1K run and you're a 5K runner? You're like, mur, mur. that's boring. <laughs> right. You know, it's not even a challenge. So, so again, people like us are wired up for challenge. So why not feed ourselves some of the thing that we're wired up for? It's no wonder we feel discontent because we're not feeding our minds the things that it thrives on. Um, as, as uncomfortable as it might be, that's what we're wired up to do. Yes. And it only becomes uncomfortable when we've become complacent and how icky does that feel? You know, anybody who was just like, bullshit, 
yeah. I'm talking to you, kid. You know, <laughs> but it's it's when we get called out the most that we hate the retort. But um, but that's the truth of the matter: is complacency at the top is what makes us feel wretched. Well, and I'll tell you, I mean, I, you know, with my students that I teach at the college, um, it's one of the first things that I warn them about is that you're going to feel uncomfortable. Uh, and my goal is to make you feel uncomfortable. And they all give me this look like, what the hell is she talking about? Because when you are uncomfortable, obviously, this is what we're talking about is you are in a place of growth, a place of possibility, a place of learning. Um, so, you know, I, I don't stand in front of a room to help people feel complacent, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship. So I'm with you and I love all of those examples because that's exactly how we build our capacity for multiple successes. Act one, act 75, like your elderly friend. <laughs> I love it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Amazing. Wow, you have given such a wealth of knowledge and inspiration to my listeners. Um, you are always so inspirational, Kelsey, in what you so generously give uh, through your podcasts, through your blogs, through your manifesto sessions, and now through your book. You're a talent, man. You're a true, true talent. Thank you. I feel like that 80% of the time, the remaining 20% of the time, I'm trying to figure out how to not feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're wasting your capacity. Come on now. <laughs> well, well, no, but I mean, I think candidly, I think that's the other piece about it is that, um, you know, to be super real, um, the, the most successful people are often the most tormented people. Because yes. if you have a lot of capacity you have a belief that it's your responsibility to utilize it fully. Yes. And that's uh, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, the old Spider-Man quote. <laughs> and, um, and again, that's not a judgment on any other thing or any other person with, with, you know, potentially less capacity or believing they have less capacity. But um, those of those people who have high capacity, mm -hmm have a burden to bear in that we have a belief that it must always be utilized yes. at its utmost and fullest. Yes. And, um, and to, and to believe that that doesn't carry any type of a weight is not reflective of the gift that it is, you know? That. And, um, and I think it's fair to give per people permission to recognize that it's, uh, it's equally as much a, a curse if you allow it to be um, as it is a gift. Sure. Uh, if, again, like a, that is perfectly said because if, if we allow it to be, and that's the part where we have to, to manage um, in terms of the, the high capacity, the high engagement um, nature that we possess is, is how do we keep that part at bay? You know, how do we keep that curse small and really use it um, the way it's meant to be used. Mm -hmm. And I will add this in closing. Sure. Uh, I think, I think like all natural things, there's expansion and contraction. And so I think it's also okay to recognize at what point in the breath of our, you know, capacity are we, are we fully like all the way breathe in? Are we on the exhale Ooh. where we reap what it is that we created or are we about to inhale again? And, and be really honest about where we are in that 
system because that can give us some insight into what's next and yes. what we can prepare for and what we can experience because it's not all rainbows and lollipops and it's not all you know walking through the valley of death um <laughs> and it oscillates and 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 it's relative and so the higher you got the lower you can expect to get and the lower you got the higher the highs and, and again giving some honor to that that's just a truth and so when we're in either place being okay with it this too will pass um, and, and we're open to experiencing what's next. Wow. I love how you brought it back to breath because you're right. You know, are we in the expansion or the contraction? And I'm, I'll add another part to that is, are we holding our breath too long? You know, are we, mm. are we, you know, are we sitting there where we're not breathing enough or are we holding our breath too long? And I think that uh, that is something to pay attention to in terms of where we are in that journey as well. Great point. Yeah. Great point. Well, thank you very much for taking the time and, and speaking to my listeners and, and having such a, an amazing conversation today. As always, I appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm, I'm, it was a, a pleasure to have a chat with you. Yes. Um, yeah, because we've known each other for a while, which is, it's always fun to have a chat with someone that you kind of have a rapport with beforehand. Yes. Uh, because you get a good sense of where you can push a person or not. So I wouldn't just say to anybody, Hey, let me randomly like put this, this, uh, this question out to your listeners or whatever. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Cause it's always fun when you can go to the edges of discomfort, at least for me. Well, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's, I, I embrace those opportunities and again, you know, make not, you know, tempering the curse <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't, it was, exactly, yeah, true. that was great. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey. Um, I can't wait to, to read your book. And if anybody's interested in checking out Kelsey's website, it's KelseyRamsden.com. There's a ton of information there that will inspire you. And she is fantastic to work with. So we will be in touch very soon. Thanks Thank again. you. An open book to any listener who wants to comment or engage in a conversation about what we talked about today. I'm always a fan of that part of it, right? Which is what's what's yes. what's really going on on the street for the people who are uh, surviving their success. It's the most fun for me. So if you want to hit me up and have a chat, uh, the best place is generally Instagram, I have to say. I'm at Kelsey Ramsden and uh, look forward to having some chats over there. Amazing. I'm sure you'll have a few listeners uh, pop in because you're always inspirational. So take care. Thanks again. We'll chat soon. Awesome. Capacity Creator is produced by me, Melanie Sadka, and recorded by the amazing team at Hive Studios in Hamilton, Ontario. For more information on Capacity Creator, please visit capacitycreator.com or check out the Facebook page. 